I don't is know. the bite is it now itchy? We I should leave this for when we're not recording anymore because I don't feel like editing all of this later. So forget it. I don't care about your bite anymore. Now my bite's bothering me. Damn it. Now you need to itch the red spot that you, you forgot you had. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I hate this. I'm over this. I'm going home. This okay. is the third time you've threatened to leave tonight. So this is great. <laughs> Good stuff. Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Megan. I'm a mother of two and a certified Montessori lower elementary teacher ages six through nine. I'm here with Rachel, mother of two with her Montessori infant toddler certification ages birth through three years old and Laura, mother of one with her Montessori certification in lower and upper elementary ages six through 12. Let's start by catching up. What has everyone been up to this week? Laura, let's start with you. Me? Okay. I choose you. <laughs> oh, I feel like a Pokemon. Okay. Yeah. We are into what? Week three of summer break since school ended. So like three weeks straight of just like full-time toddler teacher life. Shout out to Rachel. This is no joke. I am constantly stuck in this struggle. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, any other moms out there or either of you guys, in that I really want to capitalize on our time together, on our wake windows. It's been that way since she was tiny, right? And I feel like part of that is my training and my background and knowing like how important these days and weeks and months and years are. And then also... Maybe the other part of it is just like wanting to make the most of our time together because I also do constantly hear and am painfully aware that these days are fleeting, right? And you'll never regret all the time you spent with them. So I just feel like I'm constantly trying to fill our days. I feel like I have zero chill right now. And that's kind of like undoing yeah. the point of summer. Am, is this making sense? Does Do either of you ever feel that obligation to do an enriching activity or bring them to like just this week alone, we went to this little farm and we spent a day there. And then we went to the airport park with you guys. And then we went to my in-laws house for breakfast slash like the whole morning and rode the tractor. And just like, it's it's just really rare that we just stay home and do nothing. Yeah, I don't feel that way. But I feel like you're coming at it from a place of like, it's summertime. It's the short amount of time we have to fit everything in. And I've been home with my kids for two years. Yeah. And that is my day all day, every day. And it's just like, 
you know, more of a marathon than the sprint of summer. It's not like, oh, we have to fit it all in in these two months. It's, oh, this is my life. <laughs> you know? I totally, I feel you. I totally feel you. And I think I also, I want to fill his tank right now because we have this new baby. So it's like, yeah, hey, let's go do something special this morning because she's going to sleep through it. You know, I can baby wear her. It's all good. Yeah. But I want to fill his tank. And like today I woke up. And we were going to go pick blackberries and do this. And he was just having an off morning. And I was like, let's just have a home day and let's just rest. And I think it reminded me it's okay to do that now. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I feel that summer sprint too. Yeah. I just feel like if I made every day special, I couldn't keep up with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I just think it definitely depends on your situation. Yeah. But I feel like no matter what, as a mom, filling your days, it's really difficult. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I Again, I feel like there's no easy way. What are you up to, Rachel? So I went to the wedding. You know, my confession was about I found that dress, breast milk, whatever. I survived. But no, we it was really good. So um, my husband was in the wedding. So me and one of my good friends now, one of his other best friends who was a groomsman also, we like went later together because we didn't want to go, you know, spend the whole day. The wedding was like an hour and a half away from here. So I took my little girl because she's on my boob constantly and I can't quite leave her anywhere. So she went with us and we walk in this little tiny church and this old lady, I guess she was a wedding coordinator person. She's like, I need you to sit here because if the baby screams, you need to get up and be able to go out. She was like so worried my little child was going to scream. And And ruin this wedding. And ruin this wedding. And I was like, first of all, I know Nate could care less. They knew I had a newborn. They were like, please bring her. It's all good. Bring your mom if you need to bring your Like do whatever. So I wasn't worried about it. But I nursed her and the angel slept through the whole thing. First of all, it was an eight minute wedding. Fastest wedding I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Literally. Wow. Wow. She came in at 356 and it was over by like 405. Nice. I was like, wow. Okay. But then we went to the reception and I nursed her and she was an angel. And that was like my first major like I got ready, you know, fully dressed. I went, me and Garrett had some time to dance. I baby wore her and we danced and we did it. So that felt like a major accomplishment. I left my toddler at home with my parents. I couldn't do two, but yeah, it was, it was good with one. I felt like that was a success. It was good for me and Garrett too. So that's awesome. Megan, me, it's me. Um, so Jacob's gone this week and I, I'm just <laughs> thriving. I'm thriving, guys. I I don't know. I'm just like I'm trying to do it all right now. Like I'm trying to keep the house clean. I'm trying to keep the kids semi-entertained and out the door on time and in camp. And I have like three jobs now and am going through my Montessori training. And like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so we're a little bit worried about you. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm a little worried about me too. I don't know if this is the right time to bring it up <laughs> in front of everyone, <laughs> but we did you. recently talk about being a little worried about you. And we need a calendar to know when Jacob is gone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So again, I was trying to do it all. And I do these things that like, I do not have to do, but I just do them because I can't stop. Anyway, I took... A bunch of things over to one of my girlfriend's houses to do a photo shoot for the company that I work for that I did not have to do. 
let me just start off by saying this. I just was doing it. So we're using the kids to be like our little models and stage the home. And I turn around and my one-year-old has a pill bottle and like pill powder like on his mouth. And he has like a handful of these cut up pills that I don't know, like, has he eaten them? So they were next to the dog food because they were the dog's medicine. They have a really old dog. And their father-in-law is staying there. So he was feeding the dog and just because they don't have a baby crawling around didn't think like, oh, I should, you know, close the litter, put these up because they don't have a one-year-old who gets into literally everything. So I turned around. I was like, oh, my gosh. So then I'm on the phone with poison control and they're like, you know, if he starts throwing up in the next hour, please take him immediately to the emergency room. So I'm just watching him like a hawk. And then I came home and just shoved Mexican food in my face and got on this call. And that's why I'm sweating. (laughs) So yeah, please don't call CPS on me and my child who he's fine. He's fine. Thank goodness. So when I talked to poison control, they looked up what kind of medication it was. It was very, very tame and he would have to ingest a lot of it for it to be a problem. And as I was talking to them, he spit out the pill. So he had sucked on it, but he like once the coating broke off and it was like bitter, he spit it out. So yeah, that was my day. That's terrifying. (laughs) I know it was really scary. I was like, really kept it together. I was like, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm just going to give poison control just like a quick call, you know? And that's my advice to anybody. It's what they're there for. Yeah. I immediately wanted to Google it. And so I started Googling like the kind of pill that it was. And the first thing that came up was like five deadliest pills that will kill your child immediately. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to know. So my advice to anyone out there is if your child puts something in their mouth that they're not supposed to, please don't Google it. (laughs) Just call poison control. Just you can Google the number or you can call your doctor and they will give you much more useful information than Google will. That's a great tip, Megan, because Google terrifies me on a daily basis basis and yeah. I, you're already the first thing was like your child's going to die and I was like oh exactly <laughs> exactly and you're already like my child's going and to when die you go yeah. down that tunnel yeah mm-hmm. it's not a good it wasn't go helpful down. and then when I called they were like oh okay they looked it up and they were like this should be fine told me what to look out for told me what to do so everything's fine but it was a little scary there for a second anybody would understand that it's not like oh if your child it's like a when your child yeah. is in this situation yeah. because it took a split second for you to turn around and he was in it yeah yeah and I, w- I was hesitant to even talk about it because I was like oh my gosh what if people just think I'm the worst mother ever and then I was like you know what if you're a mom whose kids never put something that they're not supposed to put in their mouth then by all means judge me but I'm sure that there's no one out there that has a child who hasn't put something in their mouth that they're not supposed to in a split second like you said yeah it's a split freaking second yeah Yep. All right. Well, that was good. That was a good share. And I feel like everybody was sufficiently honest about their week. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yeah. All right. Let's get into today's topic. Laura? Okay. So we know going into this topic that it can be a sensitive one. There are a lot of opinions surrounding this and some seriously deep core memories and emotions for a lot of us. So just know that we sincerely believe that it is okay to do whatever works for your family. 
With that being said, this episode is on Montessori philosophy's take on imaginative play and fantasy. To start off, there are many varying perspectives on fantasy and imaginative play, and we can't be 100% sure what Dr. Montessori truly believed, especially in regard to their role at home versus in the classroom. It is not hard to come across writings of Dr. Montessori that clearly discourage anything to do with fantasy and want the children to be firmly planted in concrete and real experiences engaging in real life work. Some people translate this to mean that Maria did not believe in children using their imagination at all or feel that it was an important thing to do, and this is just simply not the case. The thing to understand is that imagination and fantasy are two very different concepts. Imagination is defined as power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses. So this means that imaginative play comes from ideas of a child's own creation. So typically, children's imagination is based in reality and things that they've already experienced and seen and touched and heard and witnessed and all of that stuff until they are introduced to a fantasy world. So examples of imaginative play would be pretending to cook a meal, playing school, pretending to fish with a stick, playing family or house kind of game. Imaginative play is very, very important part of a child's development, and it's how children make sense of the world around them and can sort of practice interacting with it. Fantasy, on the other hand, is defined as an impractical offshoot of the imagination. These are impractical concepts, usually depicting things that just don't exist in the real world. Children do not typically come up with these things on their own. These ideas are not based in reality. So examples of fantasy play would be using a magical wand, uh, wanting to ride a pegasus down a rainbow, being able to fly. And that's right, folks. This includes Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy. So there's nothing wrong with fantasy type play. Montessori's concern was that if it was introduced too early, it can be confusing for many children to tell the difference between fantasy and reality, as well as alter the way that they do play imaginatively. So the main question here is where does this all fit into Montessori parenting? We feel that this perspective requires that a parent make real experiences the priority and ensure that exposure to fantasy in the first plane of development is at least evenly balanced with concrete real-life experiences. Through Maria's research and teachings, she actually found that no matter what, children always chose the real-life activities presented to them, and they only chose pretend play or imaginative play when a real experience wasn't available. The philosophy does not discourage pretend play, but focuses on the connection with reality. She believed children's imaginations should blossom on their own without the influence of an adult, or in this case, mainstream media. So what do you guys think about that? How does that fit into your life? How do you apply this as a Montessori parent? Oh, I'm excited about this one because I feel like sometimes it can bring a lot of confusion within the Montessori world when people come into it feeling like it's really excluding them because they can't engage in any kind of fantasy books or movies or fantasy play. And 
something that really, really divides between Montessori and Waldorf, if you are familiar with Waldorf education. But for us in our home, we engage in fantasy, mostly movies. I'm pretty careful with books, but really not as much television or movies because I'm tired. And it's just like, I try not to use a lot of screen time. So when it does come on, I'm usually at my breaking point. <laughs> like like this is the final straw. So whatever will get you to sit there quietly. I mean, of course, nothing that's like inappropriate or, you know, things that are age appropriate, but whatever you want. Yeah. So I do try to balance it out. And I really like that in your intro, you're talking about that we don't have to do this all or nothing thing, that we can have both, but really try to be mindful of how we balance them. And I think that's helpful for me personally, because I can feel guilty about that all day, but it's easy to just be able to tell myself, okay, let's try to balance it out with real life experiences. And I also did want to say that I don't want to villainize mythical stories or anything like that, because mythical storytelling is a big, big, big part of human history and human culture. And it has been passed down since the beginning of recorded history. It is deeply, deeply interwoven into our culture as a people and has been a way that we've passed down lessons and stories. So I think it it does have so much value, but those aren't the only stories and experiences we want our children to have. We want to be able to balance them out especially in that first plane with real life experiences. Yeah. For me personally, I think that I definitely went into parenting thinking that I was going to do a really, really great job of avoiding all these things because I was already familiar with this whole aspect of the Montessori philosophy and why it was important. And then I was smacked straight in the mouth because turns out that's damn near impossible in my opinion. And I guess to be fair, Chris and I, we are the kind of people who like at the end of the day when we're done with whatever and we have nothing else to do, we're going to plop down and watch something on the TV. Like we enjoy watching TV. I grew up constantly watching TV. Like my parents always had several jobs and TV is the working man's babysitter is an old expression that really resonates with me. So I have my own deep core memory connections to certain TV shows and certain characters and certain yeah. just things from my childhood. You find that you want to expose them to like, you know, Chris grew up playing Mario and he wants her to know who he is. And so now we're watching a video game for a couple of minutes. And I swore we weren't going to do that before a certain age. And yeah, a way that you're connecting. Right. That's the thing is like some of these more modern pop culture icons are are like my own personal mini mythology that I want to mm-hmm. pass on to her. Right. That's like human nature. Is, right. This is how you want to share. Yeah. Yeah. You want to share the things that have brought you joy. And on top of that, it is freaking everywhere. If you exist in today's society and you live, you know, in a modern developed civilization, you are constantly exposed to every single character, every single cartoon, every single game, all of it is just right there in their faces, whether or not you even want it to be. So it is just so hard to avoid. And then once you start letting them kind of slip a little bit in and they are loving it, it's resonating with them. They're clearly getting joy from it. It gets even harder to pull back and not let them have that experience at all because it's just not real. Right. So long story short, for me, I try very hard to just be conscious about keeping some sort of balance. Right. The fantasy is going to creep in there. It's in there. It's all we're already definitely steeped in it. Right. 
right? She recently has discovered and become completely obsessed with the Paw Patrol. Mm. And so that's fine. But we're going to take a walk at the end of the night up to the actual fire station because she loves Marshall, the fire puppy. And so we are going to walk up and see a real fire truck and have like the real firefighters come out and talk about the truck. And when we got into Finding Nemo and she wanted to see Finding Nemo all the time, we went to pet stores or aquariums where we could see real clownfish and observe them and talk about them. I just tried to make a concerted effort to let that all be a part of her life and her her experience, but also ensure that she does start to develop an understanding of the difference between what is real and what is not real. And we can enjoy things that are not real, but they are not real. I love that. Because what concerns me more than it affecting her imaginative play is the first part about it being sometimes confusing to be able to tell like what's real, what's not, where nightmares come from, right? Like your subconscious trying to process these things. No, I love that so much just because I feel like it's really actionable. Like you said, it's impossible. If you're living in the modern world, it is impossible to just not engage in any fantasy ever. And I just feel like that's a really palatable way to be like, okay, we can do this, but also let's pair it with real life experiences so that they understand that this isn't real. Because like you said, you're more worried about that. I tend to more worry about the imaginative play, about it hindering their ability to do that because you know we've talked about it. Maria Montessori said, play is the work of the child and, and not playing with a pegasus on a rainbow with your wand and flying through the air, play with real life materials, playing out real life situations. It's how they process the world. And I want them to be able to do that. So I just, I feel like that's that's a really easy way to not feel guilty about it because something I don't want to do is come to this podcast and be like, you know, there's a million things to worry about as a parent. And here's one more. (laughs) Right. And one more thing that you're not going to be able to do. Like we just can't. And I feel like it's really hard when we say not to do these things because it does bring so much joy. It's like you talked about, like my child is lighting up. Like we went to Disneyland and they had the best time ever. And you're saying I shouldn't do that. Life is really hard. And And it's difficult and there are tragedies and we go through really hard life situations. And I do believe that a lot of times fantasy is a great escape. And we don't want to use escapes all the time. But, you know, if watching a movie about a fish and his dad (laughs) brings you joy after a really hard day or brings you closer to your family during a hard time or even just like a stressful time, I feel like it has value then too. Life is hard enough without feeling bad about watching a movie about a puppy on a fire truck, you know? Right. And is it possible to find value in it and then connect it to? Yeah. They're still showing you what they're interested in and what they're into, especially when they get to the point where they're asking now for a specific thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And so you can still be capitalizing on those interests and turning them into real world experiences. Yeah, I think it's worth talking about why imaginative play is beneficial and why we want to balance it with fantasy. I do think that conversation is worth being had, but also I think that we're being very clear that we, as people who really, really value this philosophy, don't want to be black or white about it and that no one else has to, too. You know, yeah. Rachel was just feeding her baby. She is the (laughs) multitasker queen. We're going to give you the opportunity. Rachel, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with y'all. I mean, it, I know listeners know, and I've shared before, you both know that, like, we're huge Disney fans. I grew up loving Disney movies, going to Disney. So Buzz Lightyear, all that. I mean, right now, we just saw Lightyear in theaters. That was my little boy's first theater movie and experience. So we we do that. We we watch the movies. It's it's limited. In the morning, we normally have a little bit of screen time with something. He loves Dino Ranch right now. It's limited, but it's existent. It's very existent. And I enjoy the Disney movies like Pixar. I love sitting down and watching Toy Story with my toddler. Like that brings me joy too. Brings our family joy, really. So there's definitely a balance. And just like you have both shared there's also the importance of the real life things like Finding Nemo. Yeah, but let's go see a real fish. And I always like Buzz is not real. Buzz is pretend like you have Buzz in your house and he can fly around in here when you like when Finley makes him fly around. There's even a part in Toy Story that shows you, hey, like he can't fly. Finley knows he can't fly. He drops him and he falls to the ground. So it, it's just the balance of things. He can talk, but he can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> he can't talk about batteries. I've taken those out too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, that we are, I feel like being very honest about where we land on this, just in our own homes. I do want to talk about what we kind of teased was Santa. We talked about, you know, like Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny. And instead of kind of coming from a fantasy conversation, we came at it from the lying So it's not that we're just watching a movie. We're actively telling our children Santa's coming. Now, I'm not saying that you're lying to your children or that I'm lying to my child. I'm just saying that that's how the conversation came up when we were talking about lying. So let's get into that. I do think that it is, it has an interesting crossover with lying because really, if you think about it, any other mythical fantasy creature or character that your child comes across when they ask you like, hey, mommy is... Batman real, you know, you're going to say, no, honey, he's a character, blah, blah, blah. But there's going to be a point where they say, hey, mommy, is Santa real? And you are absolutely, per society standards, supposed to say yes. Yeah. Which is how we've now fallen into the lying part. Yeah. So that's where it's tricky as Montessorians is we don't want to lie. And we understand the importance of not having there be this overabundance of fantasy. So what do we do? Where do we fall? And this, I feel like, is the most emotionally charged aspect of the whole thing is these are deeply, deeply ingrained in our society, Mm -hmm. in our culture, in religions. Our childhood. You know, like, yeah, take any TV show I was referencing feeling nostalgic and wanting to share with her and multiply that feeling by a quadrillion when it comes to like major holiday characters. Mm -hmm. Yep. You can't watch a movie. You can't hear a song at Christmas time that doesn't mention Santa. Like it's it's impossible. And so like this is just a really tough one to navigate. So I'm actually interested to hear. I'm gonna immediately deflect it to <laughs> you guys and ask, what's your plan for this one? Yeah. Because this is really, yeah. really big. Yeah. It yeah, is it, is, it big. is really big. Do you have a plan, Rachel? Do you want to start? I can start. So we haven't really had to hit it yet because he was not even two last Christmas season. So this will be really the first season going in where we kind of, you know, broach it. I mean, he he's seen a picture of Santa here and there, like in books or songs. So I think we have decided that we're going to kind of do the fun part of it. Like Santa, he is this 
character, I guess I call him, but he's not actually the one's going to be bringing you gifts. Santa is just this fun thing. He's in books. It's it's pretend. It's just like Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our take on it. I'm okay with us, you know, having fun with it, being a part of it. But Santa's not going to come down the chimney to our house. Like that's that's not real. So I think that's just the easiest way to start. Also, what I did this past Christmas, which I think I'll do again, is like the five gift rule, which I really liked doing just the something they want, something they need something they read, something to go do and something to wear. And I felt like that was like a simple thing too. Cause I know growing up, Santa brought me so much crap. Like, thank you, mom and dad. (laughs) But like, I just had like everything. And I know I was like, I don't, I don't want that. And I want him to know it's from us. Like we love Mm -hmm. you and we want to do this, but it's, it doesn't need to be all this stuff because he has a fulfilled life anyways. Like we give him what he needs on a daily basis. Because you always then get to that point of how come I got 20 presents and the kid down the street got four. Exactly. You know, because then you start to get into that when, when we're trying to you know, convince them that Santa mm-hmm. is real or the Easter Bunny or, you know, Tooth Bear gave me $5 and gave my friend 50 cents. Like what, what's up with that? You know? Yeah. And he had an Easter basket this year. I didn't even speak of the Easter Bunny. I think really all the other little thing, like Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, once he does ask about that, we'll go into, well, it's pretend just like Santa. Mm-hmm. I just know Santa's like the big one. We also are Christians and celebrate the birth of Christ and all that. So we kind of have another veer of focusing on Christmas in that way too. Santa's never, and he's not going to be the main thing or the elf on the shelf. So that's my take. Hear that baby. Sorry. Don't apologize. We are Montessori moms in the wild. The wild out of the closet. Mm -hmm. So I feel similarly that we're going to kind of go down the same path of, I, I once heard someone say that they would tell their children when they asked, is Santa real? And she would say, he's real in our hearts and then would like talk about the uh, history of Santa. Like this is, it was, came from St. Nick. This is where this story came to be. Megan. Yeah. Was it me that you heard say that by any chance? No. <laughs> okay. No, was that what <laughs> you were going to say? This is my answer. Go ahead. You keep going and I'll just let you know if you missed anything that I would have added. Nick, though, it, it really is a big yeah, story. He's a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it was this real person and now he exists in our heart and like the spirit of Christmas and then would give her children the option. Would you like to pretend like he's real? Would you like to, you know, would you like to leave him cookies or, or, you know, would you like to engage in this fantasy? And one of the reasons that I personally feel like it's important not to go down the road of pretending that he's real, because one of the, one of the things that I think people are concerned about is like, okay, they're the only one who doesn't believe that he's real. And then what if they go around telling everyone else that they don't, you know, that Santa's not real? I mean, which people of other religions and cultures do just fine. But I think that for me, I think it's really important to say to my kids, some people believe that it's real and some people don't. And we have to honor what other people believe. And I feel like that translates to so many different things. Some people believe in certain religions And some people believe in, you know, whatever it is and that we have to respect that. So yeah, having that black or white, 
Like he's he doesn't exist and we're not going to celebrate him. Makes it confusing then when they go yeah. to someone else and they're like, no, I believe in Santa. They're confused. So I think it's important to make it an opportunity for a lesson of we all believe different things. What would you like to believe? And and putting that to them. What, what do you want to believe? In? And we will honor that. You know? Yeah, I do really like that last part. I think it's an important part to point out because I can't imagine the panic feeling of, okay, so my four-year-old is yes. aware that Santa exists but doesn't believe because we don't believe and we told him it's not real. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to school and because he's four, he's happily telling everybody around him, oh, you know, he's not real, right? Yeah. Santa's not real. And now I'm getting dirty looks yeah. and mean emails from other parents, right? Leave it to all our children to ruin everybody's. <laughs> right, exactly. That could yeah. be concerning. I get yeah. that. You mentioned this and I want to point out again that we are not ignorant of the fact that there are plenty of people out there that do not celebrate Christmas and are raising children that don't believe that Santa's a thing, right? However, this was actually kind of the answer that my mom gave me, but this conversation happened by the time I was in you know, elementary school because I was already sort of led to believe Santa was real by the time I I got to the point where I was like, um, I feel like maybe he's not. Can we talk about this? Her answer, because she didn't have the heart to be like, no, he's absolutely not real. She gave me that whole spiel of, well, Santa Claus is based on a person, Saint Nicholas, who was known for spreading kindness and, you know, taking care of the children in the area and blah, 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 blah. And he shared gifts and just taught us that this season is about giving and not receiving. And it's about taking care of each other, right? And just sort of like, this is the spirit of Christmas. So this character represents all of these bigger ideas. And I didn't know exactly how to wrap that up. So I like the idea of, so I want to ask you, what is your heart telling you? Do you choose to believe that the character is out there? Like, no, he's not coming down the chimney and bringing you physical gifts because he's a spirit. Do you feel that the spirit is here or, you know, like, and let that be their choice and then make it clear that that is everybody's choice. And that is what needs to be respected. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what I like about it for anybody who is a very religious family and wants to keep the point of Christmas intact is that approaching the idea of Santa this way really gets to forego the issue of Christmas is only great if you get tons and tons of presents under the tree. Like you were saying, I was raised the same way. It was more, it was quantity over quality every single year. And that is so stressful on the parents, by the way, to keep making sure that there's a certain number of things there. And then as a kid, you're putting in this list of specific things. And when you're not getting those things, there's that feeling of, oh, well, Santa, who's magical and could have given me anything because he's magic, didn't give me that thing. So I must not deserve it. Now there's a self-worth issue with the gifts. And again, we've lost the whole point of giving instead of receiving. And then I really, really don't like the idea that someone is watching you Mm. all month. And this is why, don't even get me started on the freaking elf on the shelf, that you are being watched and someone is judging your goodness and you only have to be exceptionally good during this period while you're being watched to then earn all of these gifts for being good and doing what you were supposed to do, which we already talked about per this philosophy is not a thing. You don't get gifts for just cooperating, right? Mm -hmm. So like the whole thing is difficult to maintain as a parent. Yeah, the elf on the shelf is quite problematic. (laughs) Yeah, and exhausting. It's exhausting. I do want to say so many people feel like very attached to the idea 
of Santa and Christmas and all the other characters and it's was special for them and they want to make their child's childhood special and they grow up so fast. Why make them grow up faster? And if this is your mentality too, I think it's fine. Like I really do. We talked about balance. If most of the year you are engaging in real life experiences and then at Christmas time you want to pretend and make your child's Christmas time magical, I really think that that's okay. This is what we're going to choose to do based on this philosophy that we really try to stick to because we really believe in it. And then for the elf on the shelf too, I just wanted to say that I feel like a lot of people are starting to feel like it doesn't sit well with them to to have that judgment and to be like, you're either good or bad and the naughty and nice list and the whole thing is kind of, he said it's judgmental and it's, our kids are good. Like they're just inherently good. And as Montessorians, especially, we believe that they are good. They are good people deep down and that we choose to believe that every single day. So I do think you can use Elf on the Shelf if you wanted to. I th- I've seen people that like really love to do all their creative stuff. Like they really, they love it. And if that's something you like, maybe like the Elf on the Shelf can just visit you and go home and tell Santa how fun your house is and how excited you are for Christmas. You know, like you can still do it. Yeah. In a way. That's yeah. a good point. That's a very good point. We can do it in a way that fits and sits well with us as Montessorians. Your values, yeah, and your Mm -hmm. morals and the messaging that you want your kid to have more often than not, which is not to perform, be performative, you know, be... Yeah, because then come January, we're screwed, you know? (laughs) If we're just performing for... Nobody's watching anymore, I can go back to whatever, right? That's not the point. That's not the point. So if you're going to engage fully in the, yeah, he's real and he's bringing you gifts, I feel like you're right. There are ways that you can sort of modify what has happened over time in the mainstream messaging about them mm-hmm. and make it still be more Montessori experience. But we didn't even cover, we're like solely on this Christmas holiday right now. There's the tooth fairy, yeah. which applies yeah. to constantly throughout the year once they reach the age of like yeah. six, right? There's just like falling out left and right. And as an elementary school teacher, I have had kids coming to me saying they've gotten 25 bucks for a tooth and stuff. And yeah, I can't imagine the inflation, right? I got like a quarter <laughs> back in the day. Now kids I are know. coming to school and telling yeah. each other they're getting multiple dollars per tooth. Then I've had kids come in who <laughs> told me the funniest version of a conversation that happened that morning from a very stressed out parent who forgot to get the tooth that night and put the money in the envelope and had to come up with a very elaborate story for what happened to the tooth fairy and it's well, just like do I want to do all that I have to share really quick um sorry I have my child and she has the hiccup so if you hear it that's her. so oh, cute she can join us anytime I found a bag of teeth when I don't even know how old I was I was probably in third grade or something in my mom's sock drawer and that's how I found out Santa wasn't real because I was like oh I it's the tooth fairies. Oh, Santa's not real either because, you know, I found the bag. Oh I found all of me and my sister's teeth we had lost. That is quite <laughs> Just in the my show. mom's stock drawer. Yeah, I'm across a bag of teeth. That's straight up comes from a nightmare. Tiny <laughs> bit traumatizing. Yeah, tell me okay, about so it. Okay, so I've come yeah. to two conclusions. The tooth fairy is not real or my mother is a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I'm not yeah. sure which one's more upsetting right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel really similarly about all of these characters is that one, I think that it's super interesting and we've talked about this before that we – I know not everyone thinks that it's Danielle. I'm talking to you. I know that everyone doesn't think that this stuff is really interesting, but like 
the origin of like, where did the tooth fairy come from mm-hmm. and why have yes. we done this? And so like, yeah, I feel like there's a way to honor it in a way that passes down. Like this is what we do as people. Like we, we talk about the tooth fairy and then we put money under your pillow. Where did it come from? How did it start? How was it inspired? And I think that's all very interesting. So I think for our family, that's how we're going to approach it and learn about it and like learn about the history of it. And decide, do you want to do this? Do you want me to put money under your pillow? We'll pretend like it's a tooth fairy, you know? So. Well, I was just going to say and thank Megan, like for giving me the idea too, of giving them the choice. I like that. Hey, do you want to do this or do you not want to do this? And I like that even more because that's what we do with everything like in, in his life right now, unless it's not a choice because it's something we absolutely have to do, you know, because it's not safe in that matter. But we're always, I'm always trying to give him a choice. So I love that you gave me that too. Yes. I also love that perspective on it, Megan. And I just want to ask, should we try to post like uh, some kind of informational, like here's where we can find history of these characters and mythologies at some point in the week after the episode comes out for anybody who might be interested in case anybody wants to kind of explore that route of going over the history and learning about where it came from and why it's important and then kind of deciding from there what to do. I love that. Because I do think we have a tendency to just kind of blindly follow what's always been done. Mm -hmm. It's not not a bad thing sometimes to shake it up and ask, well, why? Why have we always done this? Mm-hmm. Right. And do we have to? Like, and if if that's something you do choose to do, like if you're gonna do the tooth fairy, you're gonna do the Easter bunny. Like I said before, I, I think that it's fine. I think if it brings you joy, I've already said life's hard enough than to feel guilty about, you know, engaging in innocent fun things. But I do think that something that we all try to do is make sure that the things that we do feel authentic to us and our belief system. And a lot of these things for me, they fit, but not quite. It's like that puzzle that just won't quite fit. And I think that there's a way that I can I can merge my culture and my childhood and fantasy and also being honest and respectful of my child the way that I want to be. And that feels honest and authentic to me as a, as a parent and as a person. Yep. Right on. Yeah, yeah, right, right on. on. Always mic drop. She always has her mic drop. Love it. All right. Should we wrap it? Yeah. Like Christmas morning. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Every time. I walk into it every time. I know because I every time we say let's wrap it up, I always want to say it. And I'm like, save it. Save it. Wouldn't you unwrap it on Christmas morning though? Let's wrap it like Take Christmas Eve Christmas when we Eve. realize that we've forgot half the gifts are unwrapped yet. Oh, wow. You just like rocked my world right now you don't wrap things up on christmas morning well i guess it's wrapped like it whatever let's move on (laughs) okay okay rachel (laughs) i don't even care let's finish out the show with a segment called confessions from the wild so what do we have to share who wants to go first i can go i don't really have that great of one so i had mcdonald's for dinner which um (laughs) Gara was just like, we don't have a meal coming tonight. We, I need to go grocery shopping. So we've been super, super lucky and had like meals for like a whole month since my little girl was born. So we haven't had to think. They just get delivered and we eat. And we're like out of that now. So we were like, okay, well, I kind of want McDonald's as bad as that sounds. So we ate McDonald's and I'm eating a Big Mac and dropped half of like the dressing all over my <laughs> child's head. So... <laughs> And Garrett just came in here a little while ago to give me her and was like, what's on her outfit? Is that poop? Because it kind of looks like 
yellowish. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh no, that's Big Mac sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Sorry. dinner. She was Sorry. my plate for dinner. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, nursing mom problems. No, that's a cute one and relatable. I will go with something that's been cracking me up every time I get into my car lately. So I often use Amazon Prime Music because we have a Prime membership, right? So you can stream a lot of stuff for free with no ads or anything. So when I plug my phone into my car, it automatically puts itself into car mode and also starts auto-playing a station that it assumes that I would like. It like curates a station based on what I listen to. I guess there's like an algorithm, right? That figures out what it assumes my favorite songs are. I would like to know what the assumption is. I am about you. on a daily basis driving to the park to dashboard confessionals, yes. screaming infidelities, yes. just like, you don't love me anymore. <laughs> so much angst and pain and sadness. I love it. And then as soon as the guitar fades out into the nothingness, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and Raffi and oh like, what's her name? Lori Berkner band. Berkner if band. you guys don't get down with Lori Berkner, you are mm-hmm. missing out. Oh, it's yeah. the best. And it's just like this evenly cut down the middle emo, just like alt pop <laughs> punk smorgasbord of emotions and top toddler time, circle time, story time hits. So creepy and how well it knows you. It yeah, like, it's it insane. Like, how do you know? And it's been funny because like, Taking Back Sunday comes on for me, and I'm like singing my heart out in the front seat. Sunday, oh my gosh, take me back to Taking Back Sunday. One hundred percent Taking Back Sunday. I have some jams to catch Uh, up on. Okay, this is great news because you know with Taking Back Sunday, you need at least two singers, right? Because you have to like split up all of the refrains and stuff. So this is happening. Back to our band. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's get in the minivan and just crank up some Taking Back Sunday. I'll get my side part going again. Let's get in our emotions. (laughs) Yeah. Real hard. Okay. I love everything about this. (laughs) But yeah, it just cracks me up because something comes on for me and I'm like, this is my jam. And then Baba Black Sheep comes on and it is her jam. (laughs) And we just are both living our best lives every time we drive to the park lately. So that's been cracking me up. That's the life, man. Yeah, that's a that's that's a really good one. I will be screaming with you, singing "Baby Beluga," and then talking about the history of the Tooth Fairy, and then "Cute Without the E." Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, okay, so my confession is that so we live in the South. I have been viciously attacked today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Rachel, Rachel's whole face right now. Attacked okay. by what? <laughs> okay, so I was going out to my really amazing. I, don't, I was gonna cuss. I'm not gonna say. Okay, I'm gonna go back. You are taking a very long time to explain what attacked you, and we are genuinely <laughs> concerned, <laughs> Megan. So you better spit it out, girlfriend. Concerned about me. Okay, so I was going out to my super cool minivan. Okay, and I was cleaning it out. <laughs> All of the pouches and wipes and backpacks and water bottles and millions of things that collect inside of that really awesome minivan. And I was reaching in to grab something and I feel this like sting pinch, like fire on my side. And then I feel it again and then I feel it again. And so then I like start to freak out. Because it really hurts. And I'm like, there's something. So I'm wearing kind of like a t-shirt dress right now. And this is what I was wearing this afternoon. And I immediately in my driveway 
knowing that there's like a bug in my dress that's biting me, just take it off. Like just strip down completely <laughs> in my driveway in my neighborhood <laughs> with no like no worries about who is home or who is watching me. I just was like, get this thing off of me. It was some bug. It was very aggressive. I tried to like get it and it kept running away from me. I don't know what it was. Anyway, it bit me several times and it felt like fire on my skin. And then I'm just standing there like trying frantically to get it off of me. I have no clothes on. <laughs> I have a I have a nursing bra on. I'm not nursing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> just still wearing it. There's a snap. <laughs> Broad daylight. Broad daylight. It was about noon. Excellent. You know? So I'm just standing there in my underwear and nursing bra, just like <laughs> swatting at something invisible for everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So um, if you're my neighbor, I sincerely apologize. And also you're welcome for the show. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like it. You own that. Own that moment. Yeah. The bugs are out of control. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for screaming. Wow. That was- <laughs> you did. You <laughs> The bugs was, are out of control. Yeah, I'm just as aggressive as that bug was. So it looked it looked like ant like, but then when I went to try to gently end its life, <laughs> gently, gently, it, it like hopped, like it jumped away from me. I think I got bitten by the same exact kind of bug the other day at that very farm animals sanctuary thing. Is the bite? Is it now itchy? We I should leave this for when we're not recording anymore because I don't feel like editing all of this later. So forget it. I don't care about your bite anymore. Now my bite's bothering me. Damn it. Now you need to itch the red spot that Are you forgot you? you had. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I hate this. I'm over this. I'm going home. This okay. is the third time you've threatened to leave tonight, so <laughs> great. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, review, and rate. For more of our content, you can follow us at Montessori Moms in the Wild on Instagram or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week. Stay wild. Why are you laughing? Why are you so far away? And we can still hear her laughing as as far back as she sits. Because I'm done. I don't want to. Why did you go across the room for the extra? Okay, we're done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cut. 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 Cut.